This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. I want to talk in this uh, at the top in this hour about the issue of self-defense. And we've had some some high profile cases in this country of individuals who were defending themselves and their property and suddenly found themselves in trouble with the law. Uh, One recent case comes to mind, the case of uh, Ian Thompson in Port Colburn, Ontario. After two and a half years, this guy was acquitted. Uh, There were people that were firebombing his house in the middle of the night. He got his gun. He fired shots into the air to scare them away. He was charged, was later acquitted. Uh, There's some other examples that uh, our next guest points to uh, in his column. Next case of David Chen, a Toronto uh, grocer who found himself in trouble after he dealt with uh, a shoplifter. Uh, There's another case uh, here in Alberta recently uh, of an individual who was uh, dealing with some some thieves, uh, stole some uh, quad off his property. An ATV, Brian Knight was the farmer's name, uh, pursued the thief, caught the thief, shot him in the uh, back of the leg, some bird shot, found himself in trouble of the law. So where are the limits? Now, the most recent case to reopen this debate happened in Edmonton uh, just recently. A fellow by the name of Jonathan Tews, I believe it is, T-E-W-S, is facing aggravated assault charges. Now, this follows uh, what seemed like a pretty frightening incident for his mother and some would-be carjackers. What got Mr. Tews in trouble was that he grabbed a baseball bat and pursued one of the suspects. And I guess we're at the point now where we need to determine exactly what happened. Was he in the right to chase the suspect, to detain the suspect until police arrived? And how much force could he use in doing so? Did he beat the guy to a pulp with a baseball bat? I suppose that's for the courts to decide here. Lauren Gunter is a columnist for the Edmonton Sun, edmontonsun.com, and he wrote about this uh, just the other day. Uh, Lauren, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Thanks, Rob. So in the case of this guy, Jonathan Tews, I think his name is. So I I, I guess there's there's still a lot we don't know about what happened here, but what's our understanding of, of what did happen? Well, uh, a week ago Sunday, uh, he uh, was standing in the living room at his parents' place talking to his dad uh, around 5 o'clock when they heard a commotion outside, looked out the window and saw that their mom and wife uh, coming home from uh, doing some grocery shopping was uh, being attacked by two people in her car. Each of the attackers had one had gotten in the driver's side, one the passenger side, and they were yelling at her to give her the give them the keys. And so Tews uh, and his father uh, ran out, and Tews tackled the guy who was coming out of the passenger side. The guy started to bolt when they saw these two guys running out of the house. Tews uh, tackled the first one coming out of the passenger side, uh, and then the guy whose mother was pushing out the driver's side uh, started to take off. So Tews let his dad sit on the first perp, uh, went back in the house, got a baseball bat, and started to pursue the, the second guy. Uh, caught him about three blocks later and uh, held him until the cops showed up. But when the uh, cops arrested the two uh, carjackers, would-be carjackers, they also ended up arresting Tews uh, uh, and said that uh, you know he was. Uh, they they suspected he was guilty of uh, aggravated assault, as you said, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, I've talked to a couple of people at uh, police headquarters about the details of this, and they've said, you know, uh, the, the perpetrator was you know, pretty bad. He was hurt pretty bad, um, 
and the other thing is he was three blocks away from the incident and uh, their understanding of Canada's uh, self-defense laws is that once you've left the area and you're no longer an immediate threat to the uh, the original victims then those victims no longer have the right to use force against you um, to protect themselves because they're no longer protecting themselves now they're administering justice and that's the old understanding of of uh, of self-defense under Canadian law for the last, well, probably the last 40 or 50 years. Mm -hmm. But uh, to me, that's a, that's a ridiculous understanding. I mean, if, if police are uh, going to arrest somebody at the site of a crime and the guy runs away for three blocks and they pursue him and jump him, uh, and in order to detain him, they have to pop him a couple of quick ones, um, they're not guilty of aggravated assault, so I don't understand why me and thee and Jonathan Jonathan Tews would be. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I want to know exactly what happened here. Yeah. I don't think he's he's entitled to, to pummel the guy with a baseball bat. I, I don't object, though, to, to the notion that I don't want this guy to get away, yep. and he went after him. That, I don't have a well, problem with that. I don't either, and, and frankly, if you open yourself up by committing a crime and you end up biting off more than you can chew because somebody decides to defend themselves and you end up hurt, I don't have a lot of sympathy for you. And I don't have a lot of sympathy for you even though you know you were three blocks down the road from where you were trying to break into this like they were, they didn't have any trouble. The two perpetrators in threatening uh, violence on the mother. Um, why is it all of a sudden we should worry about you know their uh, uh, their sensibilities because you know they've left the scene of the crime? I, I, to me, uh, if you do the crime, you got to be prepared to do the time. And and part of that could be that you know you encounter a citizen with a baseball bat, a, a wrench. There was a there was a, a fellow down in Tabor in I think it was 2009 uh, named. Jonathan Singletary. It was Singletary was his last name. And he and his wife came home to their acreage and found two guys breaking in. And he took the blunt end of a hatchet and hit the guy in the face with That's it. That's right. I and remember initially that. Initially, huh? the police wanted to uh, charge him. And then uh, the Crown thought better of it. They thought they probably wouldn't be able to get a, a conviction out of that. You had, as you mentioned, Brian Knight, who, who shot at a guy who'd stolen an ATV as the guy was trying to run away. Uh, hit him with some light bird shot. Didn't do any serious damage to the guy's leg, and it took uh, it, it took Knight nearly three years before the Alberta Court of Appeal uh, uh, dismissed his sentence uh, or dismissed the charges against him. David Chen, the the, the grocer in in Toronto, who uh, was there was actually a, a, a there was actually federal legislation passed uh, as a result of his case. He he. Uh, caught a, a uh, serial shoplifter. Guy had been broken into, uh, had almost 40 convictions for shoplifting in and around the Lucky Moose grocery that Chen owned. Uh, he held him uh, in the back of a van, tied him up, uh, held him at the point of a box cutter until police arrived. And the police, not only did they charge Chen with unlawful confinement, they, uh, the Crown prosecutors in Toronto even made a deal with the shoplifter <laughs> for a light sentence to give testimony against Chen. And, of course, eventually a jury acquitted Chen. Hey, I think in this case, choose if he actually ends up going to trial, which I hope he doesn't. He, he has a first appearance in court next uh, Wednesday. 
uh, Thursday, the, the 15th. I hope if he uh, ends up having to go to trial that he asks for a trial by judge and jury because I don't think there's any jury would convict him. What about the concept, though, of, of citizen's arrest, then? And that speaks to the Chen case, and maybe yeah. it speaks to this case with Jonathan Tews. Uh, do citizens have the right to essentially apprehend and detain and make a citizen's arrest, hold a suspect until police arrive? Yes, and we have had the uh, right to self-defense and the right to perform citizen's arrest since long before there were organized police forces and even before there, were, uh, there was a system of, of uh, courts. Uh, this is a, a, the rights are about 800 years old, and we haven't given them up just because we live in in an urban society where we have professional police forces. Uh, you know, I, it's funny. I I remember one of the very first stories that I ever uh, that, that I ever supervised as an editor at a magazine back in the mid 90s was uh, these two women who caught this guy breaking into their garage in the uh, Riverside neighborhood in, in Riverdale neighborhood in Edmonton uh, and it turned out that they were both uh, target shooters and so they got their pistols out and they went to the garage and they held this guy at gunpoint until the police arrived and the police were going to charge them because they didn't have a permit to take their guns out of the cases at home uh, there was such a public outcry about that eventually the Crown decided not to pursue charges but I remember asking the police at the time you know so how much you know what, what kind of marksmanship qualifications do your members have and they said well they have to shoot 70 rounds a year and I, and I had a reporter phone the, uh, the the shooting range where these women did target practice and they shot 200 rounds a week <laughs> and so I phoned, had had the reporter phone the police back and say, so, you know, 70 a year versus 200 a week, aren't these women just as qualified as any police officer? And I could hear the yelling from the police spokesperson from the other end of the phone across the newsroom. But there's this sense that somehow, because we have professional police forces, we've given up the right, we've, we've seconded the right to them uh, to do all the apprehensions. But that's simply not true. You can, you can defend yourself and you can perform citizen's arrest even as, as if there were no police. You know, and again, getting back to the Jonathan Two's case, and if they want to argue excessive force was used, then, then you know, they can put the facts on the table. But as you point out in your piece, part of their argument here is that he shouldn't have gone in the first place. And once the driver left the vicinity, the threat disappeared. But what's the vicinity? Could the guy have just run across the street and thumbed his nose and say, you know, I'm out of the vicinity. You've got to leave me alone. Well, exactly. But also, both the both uh, Tews and his father said they were worried that uh, had they not pursued the guy who was running away, uh, that he would have come back later and tried to get revenge on them. And so, I mean, I, I think that's a legitimate concern. You 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 can't stop a stampede. You know, so if, if, if you started a whole herd of people stampeding once, you can't stop that just by clicking your fingers. You can't stop this either. You can't decide, especially, you know, if, if you, somebody's trying to beat up on your mom, uh, the adrenaline's going to get pumping. And do we want a whole bunch of adrenaline-filled people running around dispensing justice on the streets? No, but in this case, there was a specific incident involving a person's property or loved one, and we have had the, the right 
to defend our loved ones, ourselves, and our property for 800 years. And that hasn't ended simply because a guy crossed the street uh, and is now walking away. Right. And here's the thing. I mean, even if you're eventually acquitted after three years of uh, being in the justice system, that, that's going to cost you a lot of money. Yep. So there's the fear that you might be charged. There's the uncertainty of, oh, look, if there's a situation, you can use force. Just don't use too much force. You can chase, but just don't chase too far. People don't know how to respond, and, and that uncertainty can be very dangerous. I yeah, think. absolutely. And, and, you know, a moment's hesitation can cost you your life. Um, but the other thing is, like I said earlier, you know, if, if you are committing a crime, you take on the risk that, the, that your victim is going to fight back and give you more than you can handle. And in this case, it was the victim's son and husband. And uh, too bad for uh, this this perpetrator who ended up having to go to hospital for observation. He, I, I, we have not been given an update on his injury, but they don't sound serious, and we're not even sure he was admitted to hospital. But uh, tough luck. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll see what comes of this. Uh, I think it may be another case of someone put through the ringer. Here's two yep. or three years tied up in the justice system. And, uh, well, I guess, uh, sorry about that, uh, charges dropped or, or acquitted. But yep. well, we'll, we go. See, we'll see next week. I'm, I'm hopeful that the Crown prosecutors, when they get a hold of this, will decide there's no chance of conviction and they'll just drop it. I guess we'll see you. Lauren, thanks for your time here this afternoon. Yeah, appreciate it. There you go. Lauren Gunter, columnist uh, for Sun Media, EdmontonSun.com. You can find his piece on, on this uh, controversy this week. Uh, referencing this case and, and others that have been in the news. Uh, like the case of Ian Thompson was one that really stood out to me. And it was just, it was a clear-cut case of someone who feared for his life. You've got masked men outside his home in the middle of the night shouting death threats and then throwing firebombs. One of his dogs got hurt in all of this. There were actual fires burning in and around his home. And he's out in a rural area. So he grabbed his revolver went outside, fired three shots, one into his lawn, uh, two up into the air. The bad guys ran away. Problem solved. Except that Mr. Thompson was later charged, eventually acquitted. But it was, it was crazy. Lauren Gunter mentioned those other cases where the individuals were charged and then later either the charges were dropped or they were acquitted. So we'll see what, what facts surface in this case in Edmonton, because we do know certain things about this case. We don't know what happened in the apprehension of the second suspect. We do know that twos grabbed a bat, which is not unreasonable given the frightening situation they were dealing with. We do know that he pursued the suspect about three blocks or so from his home. So two arguments here. A, that you should have let the guy go. You don't need to chase him three blocks. Once he's run away, there's no immediate threat. And two, that maybe excessive force was used in subduing the guy. But we don't know how badly he was beaten. It's been suggested that he was beaten. And yeah, I guess if you chase after a guy for three blocks and then you pummel him with a baseball bat, uh, maybe that is excessive. So where is the line? And do, do Canadians know what they're entitled to when it comes to self-defense or apprehending a suspect? In the commission of a crime. 974-TALK, 974-8255. We're back after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.